I have always loved using yoga in my speech therapy sessions. I have found that for my autistic students, it is an amazing way to work on joint attention, cooperative social language skills, imitation, et cetera, et cetera. So today we have an amazing episode for you today. I talk with Amy and Kim, fellow speech language pathologists from Talk Yoga. We talk about how we incorporate yoga into our speech therapy sessions. So if you want to help your learners engage, work on their speech therapy or communication goals, and have a great time, like I always say, let's keep things fun and functional. You are going to want to tune in to this episode. It is a great one. Amy and Kim are fellow speech-language pathologists. They met at work. They both had a love of yoga. And they have created an amazing company called Talk Yoga, where they're embedding yoga into their daily work with communication. Buckle up. This is a great one. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. Thanks so much for joining us on episode 72 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have an amazing episode today. We have with us Amy and Kim from Talk Yoga. And thank you so much for joining us. It's great to have you both on. Thank you. We're We're, so happy to be here. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Yes. And I think you came on my radar maybe a couple years ago. I can't even remember if we've maybe even done a collaborative post on Instagram together, but I love using yoga in my speech therapy sessions. I'm very big on, I call it modified leisure. And I'm always thinking about how I can help the students work on obviously communication, social skills, and also equip them with really hobbies and things that they're going to be able to do across the lifespan. Because as a public school therapist, I work three days a week in a middle school, high school. So I do have older learners and I'm always thinking, you know, what could they do after high school? Like that is fun that they love and enjoy. And so I think that's how you kind of came on my radar with the, uh, with the yoga. Cause I'm definitely, I, I, gosh, I don't know the last time I actually did yoga besides in my speech therapy session. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about you, how your journey started into the field and things like that? Sure. I guess we'll each take a turn. Yeah, because there are two of us. <laughs> There's two of us. Um, so I'll begin. And my journey includes Kim for sure, because Kim was my clinical fellowship year supervisor. So um, I became interested in speech pathology when I was in high school, and my grandmother lived with our family and had a stroke and they received therapy at home and I got to sit and help her. And that really got me interested in speech pathology and also occupational therapy, but I ended up ultimately going down the speech therapy road. So, um, I met Kim, like I said, when I did my clinical fellowship year and worked in a school, we worked together in a school in Washington, DC for children with learning disabilities and, um, autism and several other needs It was a really great learning experience for me. I kind of got thrown into an area that I wasn't really familiar with in terms of like literacy therapy and 
uh, populations I wasn't prepared to work with. And so I give a lot of credit to Kim for guiding me through that. Oh, you know what you were doing. (laughs) But the yoga piece is a big part of our journey too, because that was something we both shared a love of and connected in that way and decided that it would be a really neat way to incorporate to incorporate yoga into our, into our therapy world too. And I'll let Kim share a little bit more about that, but that's kind of my journey. Um, I have my own private practice here in the DC area and work mostly with the early, like early intervention, younger aged children. And I love articulation therapy. So, and you're so good at it too, oh, right? And my, I prefer language therapy. That's <laughs> why so this works. This yeah. marriage works. So. I came to speech language therapy um, as a profession, sort of as a career change. Um, I initially was um, a public relations practitioner. So my undergrad degree is in journalism, communication, right? So written communication, oral communication. And I hadn't really made that connection until later when I wanted to study speech and language pathology because I had been a part of an adopt-to-school program. And I was noticing that some of my the clients that they put me with couldn't read. So that really broke my heart because reading was so important to me. Um, I love reading. And why did I become a speech language pathologist and not a reading therapist? I don't know. It's just the journey took me to... Um, to speech and language pathology. And, you know, reflecting back, my brother had speech and language delays. Mm -hmm. And I, like Amy, she would sit with her grandmother and help her grandmother. I would play school with my brother. And so, you know, it all has come together and connected. And then uh, as far as, you know, the yoga journey, so I've been practicing yoga for probably 30 years, many, many, many years. Wow. And like, you know, since my mid twenties. So, um, and it's just something that's really valuable, valuable tool, um, mm-hmm. for me. And then, so when Amy and I were working together at the school called Kingsbury day school, we really saw that movement was helping our clients, um, and getting them talking more mm-hmm. and, I don't, we have lots of examples of that, but what we decided to do um, to put our love of yoga and our love in sp- of speech language pathology together. And we created an after-school class called something like, I don't even know, it's been a while, like the language of yoga. And so it, it was really like receptive and expressive language skills and also in the context of social skills. So that was really the foundation, but later we've, you know, we've gone on to do even more We'll tell you more. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, so, so the after school program, so the after school program, I'm intrigued by this because I am a public school therapist three days a week. So was this something that you went to your administration logistically? I'm just, my wheels are spinning. Right. So, and it was, it just, was it open to, was it an elementary program? Was it open to students of all ages? Did you talk to your administrators? How did you decide who would be in the program? You know, I'm, I'm thinking logistical because it sounds really right, yeah. cool. That's really, that's a Let's really good question. Let's break it down. Yes. <laughs> so this school was, was a private school, which I think sometimes you have a little more leeway mm-hmm. in the private school realm. And they offered after-school enrichment programs for their students. So we had a, a very supportive um, boss who was over <laughs> the pathologist who was like, yeah, we, we provided the um, 
you know, the idea to her and she then took it to the administration. I think oh, that's how it went. And down. she was happy to do it. And then yeah. we have also gone into a public school. We were invited yeah. in by a parent who then also worked with the speech language pathologist and that speech language pathologist identified clients on her caseload who she thought. So this was like, say, upper elementary school kids in this public school in our area. That um, SLP was sort of the liaison and mm-hmm. she helped us sort of um, know who we were going to be working with. And then um, we were able to work with the families and the school and the SLP who essentially like hosted us. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love it so much. I don't know. I, you know, I've done yoga, just, I'm just, you know, I like to work out. So I've kind of, it's always been on my oh. radar. Not like you guys, it's not my main thing, but I've always kind of enjoyed it. And so, you know, working with older students, you know, I'll never forget when COVID kind of was like, boom, you know, Mar- March, 2020, April, 2020, yes. I have been working with my middle school students when I see them for like a small group, we were doing yoga as a leisure skill. And I'll never forget my school district is just really on top of things. So I was able to do my entire schedule, see my students. And I work in a very affluent district. So all the students had computers, the parents were able to help. But what was really neat and poignant, I thought, is when the world was like, you know, with the pandemic and we're like, what's going on? I was able to do yoga with my students and it was so neat because, you know, you're working on so many things, right? It's like social, it's familiar. The parents were able to see the students were able to do that. And there's just so many ways to practice yoga as a leisure skill and as a life skill across the lifespan. I think that's why I like it so much too. And, you know, for me, it's something very small that I do with my students and we're in a public school. So we, you know, are just doing standing poses. And I always joke when I do trainings about modified leisure skills, I always say, and this is actually true. I always wanted to be like, if you would have asked me at 23, which was a long time ago, by the way, I always wanted to be an aerobics instructor. This was like one of like my to do things. Yeah. So, you know, I guess I was kind of always an entrepreneur at heart, right? I've always had like a million jobs, but now I'm funneling them all into ABA speech. So I always say this is like my one, cause obviously now I'm too busy, but this is my time to shine, right? Cause I'm up, I'm doing group, I'm giving the directions, modeling it. Yeah. So it's kind of like my moment, right? You know? I don't know. We would love to train you in (laughs) our methodology. I think you would really personally enjoy it. It sounds like you're ready to go there. Hey, I'm I'm on board. So for people that might not be, you know, incorporating yoga into their therapy sessions, because we do have a mix of people who are speech therapists, you know, BCBAs, professionals, and also parents. Can you tell us more about how you are using yoga within speech therapy sessions? Yes. Rumble, please take it away. I'm going to brag about my business partner. Amy created some of the most amazing poses that are articulation poses. So that is one way. I'll let her tell you about that, but it's truly, I think, revolutionary. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Kim. So I became trained. Both of us are trained, 200-hour trained um, yoga teachers. And during my training, I think I had an epiphany of sorts that I was really connecting to my body in a different way. And I was thinking a lot about my work as a speech pathologist and how I really wanted these kids to find that same connection. And when I think about articulation, Mm -hmm. they have to connect to what's happening inside their mouth. So I came home from my training and talked to Kim and I was like, I think we can teach 
kids' articulation sounds using yoga poses. And Kim was very supportive and said, you do it. Show me what you mean. (laughs) So I used yoga poses that already exist. We, we want to give all the credit to 2000 years of, of yoga history, evolution of yoga. Mm -hmm. So borrowing those poses and then adapting them and kind of creating my own in a more playful way. I, decided that there are definitely poses where the body is moving in a gross motor way to inform what's happening inside the mouth. So if something's supposed to lift inside the mouth, there's a part of the body that's going to be lifting. Um, and that as we've, as we've evolved and we've developed and we've learned more, we see how we're really, these yoga poses are so all encompassing when it comes to mm-hmm. the sensory system and really activating systems such as the vestibular system, which is so necessary for children to be able to like understand concepts. And when they're moving their body mm-hmm. and we're trying to teach them the idea of lifting or reaching or stretching, if you do that with your whole body, it's easier for them to understand that concept. And so, there's context. And then they, context, right? Exactly. And they learn the vocabulary word that right. matches the movement. Mm-hmm. And then they're learning how to move their mouth in the way that needs to happen to you know, form the correct art articulations. So we all that's that's fun. Yeah, that's really fun. And I think just from an engagement standpoint, it's, you know, I think, and I was actually just before this, I was taping a training about joint attention, but I think sometimes, you know, we're, um, at least in the field of applied behavior analysis, sometimes people can get into a rigid way about how we're going to teach things. And I think this idea of, it just sounds really natural. And this is like a very fun, engaging way to like embed this into therapy. So that's really cool because I've never really thought of it that way. So, so you guys have specific, so talk yoga. So you have more information about this on your website. So you probably have these specific poses because most people are listening, but you can also watch the podcast on YouTube. Um, but you know, so, okay, so that's good. And I know we'll talk about your website. Okay. So one way you can do it is for speech sounds. So that's interesting. Cause I, yes, I definitely am using it like in a different way, more of kind of a social cooperative group leisure way. So are there other ways that you guys also use it in addition to kind of the articulation therapy? Yeah, that's what I'll let Kim talk about it because, you know, we do have these specific poses. We have cards that have all the poses, but what's so great about those cards is you can utilize them in a language way as well. So it's go Kim. I mean, (laughs) yoga. (laughs) Um, So the poses are a natural opportunity to be in your body and to learn vocabulary, like we were saying, related to how you're moving. Mm -hmm. And then we also take the articulation poses and we teach different parts of speech using um, alliteration, which we kind of are obsessed with. (laughs) We think it's really fun because we're SLP nerds, but (laughs) we teach vocabulary like nouns, verbs, and adjectives using alliteration like big bubble bursting and it's really playful and fun. And so that's one way we infuse language. We also, when we're moving through flows, Mm -hmm. we are speaking because we know that the neural pathways that we create when we're moving helps to solidify our memory. And then if our memory is working better, then we're going to retain what's learned and we're going to be able to express ourselves better, right? So there's a lot in the field of movements and language expression. So that's why we pair the movement with the speaking. Mm-hmm. And 
So we're, we're naming um, our body movements. We're also incorporating maybe some imagination. We're pretending to be yeah. different animals. And then we also have, we use a style of yoga called Kundalini where we're doing a lot of quick, fast movements and we're rolling back and forth or side to sides and our, our arms go up and down. And then, so we're learning like gradation of movement, which is really important to articulation, but also just like being in the world, right? Like, you know, self-regulation. So we see the whole treatment approach as multifaceted. And then the added bonus for us is the social skills that come with it. And I love that you're talking about like yoga as a leisure activity. We also see it as like an opportunity for carryover and practice and generalization at home, because we notice that our students are teaching their siblings and their parents. (laughs) So that's another opportunity for language, right? Is the opportunity to teach others. So really, yeah. I I love that so much. And the way that I see it too, is that you're working on, because I specialize in working with, you know, solely autistic learners is that you're really working on that shared activity together, which is great for, for my students. And also this idea of imitation, which is such an important foundational skill for students. And I think sometimes we can get into these very rote ideas about how we're going to work on imitation, you know, that it maybe has to be at the table or we're going to do it a certain way or, but it sounds like you're kind of setting it up and, you know, these are all kind of things that maybe are even a byproduct of using yoga, but you are doing it as a shared activity. It's amazing that you can generalize it to the home activity too, because sometimes I think it's hard for um, us to think about ideas that generalize to the home work with also with siblings. And this is like very fun. It's not flashcards. It's not, there's nothing wrong with flashcards. I actually sell the action builder cards and they are flashcards and people like them. I just sold some a second ago before I popped on, but I think it just is one piece of this intervention package. And I think it's great to think outside of the box because I always say, you know, as a middle school, high school therapist, I always say speech therapy, the magic happens outside of the therapy room, like especially for older learners, we have to get really real about what we're doing with intervention. And so I like this idea because, you know, and the idea of it is a leisure skill too. I'm always thinking about my students across the lifespan, like yoga can be super fun and impactful for younger learners, but can also be great for older students. And actually that cues up my next question is when you're using yoga, are you using it with students who are younger or students who are older or speak to us about kind of the age range, um, or if there is one for using yoga? Well, I love everything that you just described as it being a practice that you can use throughout your lifetime. I think that's one of, well, I know that's one of the benefits and why we chose yoga, because it is something that is accessible to everyone. We really believe that. And age-wise, yes, we have a lot of our materials might look like they're geared towards the younger population, but Kim and I have both worked with um, individuals across the age, you know, across age ranges, I guess. So I have younger clients, but I also have an adult autistic client who I've been doing talk yoga with for over two years. Mm-hmm. And her progress That's has amazing. been really incredible and her growth in confidence mm-hmm. and her ability to participate with me in an activity where, like you mentioned before, the joint activity and the joint attention, it's so powerful. And it's been, um, 
sometimes I just, I get kind of emotional yeah, when I think about it cool. because I really feel connected with this client and we're right. doing something that's meaningful to her. Um, so yeah, I, it definitely can be applied to, to a wide range of ages and adapted. Even the, the materials that we do offer, as you were saying, when we have to get really real, when we're working with middle and high school age students, mm-hmm. we can teach them about these benefits of yoga and deep right. breathing and being paying attention to your body and how that can not only help you physically, but also emotionally and um, just being able to connect and to express how you're feeling. Um, because you're in tune with your body. And I think that that is a powerful tool that we can provide for these kids and different, you know, older kids who are able to kind of go there with us. Yeah. I love that. I love that you shared about your older client because, you know, that's the thing too, from a parental standpoint. I mean, I have three kids of my own that are all typical language learners, but you know, I'm immersed in the autism community. So I have a lot of friends who have autistic children and what I have seen, especially for students who are older students who have, are more, you know, have more um, weaknesses in, and really need a lot of support or have high support needs. Sometimes it can be really hard for parents, um, depending on where you live, um, as far as like community-based you know, activities or what can you do with your child at home where you're connecting with them? I think that, you know, as students get older, those idea of what is a shared activity kind of gets smaller. So I think Mm -hmm. that idea that you said that it's really cool, that connection you have, like, I love that so much because I think this is a really great thing for parents too, is a way to connect with their children as like something that's really organic that like you guys do yoga, you know, like it's just like a really nice activity. So I think it's really, I love that you share that. Um, So talk to us a little bit about using yoga with individual clients or small groups. Have you done it with both and kind of just discuss that with us a little bit? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we definitely both use talk yoga in our private practices and one-on-one therapy. And that really is, you know, we guess we do diagnostic (laughs) therapy when we're first um, working with the client and maybe we'll introduce some breath at the beginning of the session. And we're just taking note of like where they are, what they might need. And then we pull in, you know, from our bag of yoga tricks um, Mm -hmm. and we set them up for success throughout this, the session. And, you know, so that is one lens we use when we're treating clients, but then, you know, we might do just, it might be a straight Arctic kid. And then we're, you know, using a lot of the movements or it might be something more language based. So it really depends on the client. And then for, as far as small groups, Mm -hmm. yeah, we sure have, and we've even done larger groups, but the small groups, you know, I think what's really nice about that is um, we can be really, responsive to the individual personalities of the the clients, the students. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about, so I had a group of boys who were really, one of them was really into um, superheroes. So we took the flow and we moved, we changed it. Like, I know you really like being the Incredible Hulk. So which one of these movements would be the Hulk? Oh, it's this one. Okay. And what, you know, which superhero do you want to be? And then, so we really can like at the small group level, really tailor it to each client's needs. Mm-hmm. That's what I found. Do you, mm-hmm. do you have, I'm sure you have things to add. No, <laughs> I, I, I agree with the things Kim said, of course, and individually <laughs> with my clients as well. I, because we have 
different techniques that we use in talk yoga and that we teach in our trainings, you know, we can pull those. It's not like, it doesn't look like a class, you know, like right. a yoga class, but it's right. just another tool in your toolbox for treating your clients. And so, you know, I love to, when a client is ready, I love to let them teach me yoga poses. If And so we get down on the floor and we're, we're doing teletherapy just like so many of everyone out there right now. And so we bring our laptops down on the floor and mm-hmm. we're down there and, and, uh, you know, they're teaching me the poses, telling me where it's great opportunity for concept and location words, where do my hands go, you know, under my shoulders on the floor. Um, so I use it that way a lot, which is really, really fun. And, you know, we both are, um, practitioners of DIR floor time and love to follow the lead of, the kids. And this is a great way to do that. They get to teach us or we ask them, you know, do you feel like breathing? Do you feel like you need to move? What do you feel like you need? Hmm. Teaching them how to pay attention to their nervous system. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I love that. that. To check in and check in with themselves and teaching them feeling words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's anyway. so much that goes into that. So and much. I love I love that idea of this of the student becoming the leader because I actually had a kind of a parallel example, but I was teaching some of my younger students modified Simon says. So I'm big on these kind of things. So it was always Simon says. Okay. So and we we're working on doing it in a group. You know, I was the leader to start out with and doing the different motions and the kids really loved it. And this was a particular group of students um, who were pretty conversational. Um, I was also seeing them at a private school, actually, um, a non-public program here in my area. And one of the students, it was probably the third or fourth week that we had done yoga uh, or not yoga, Simon says, he wanted to then be the leader. And I was like, wow, this is so cool because he was initiating that he wanted to do it. This was a student that really did was autistic learner, did not have a lot of spontaneous communication, stood at the front, wanted to be the leader. I thought it was really awesome that he wanted to do that. And it was so cool to set up these more. It's not that these are not structured times. They're like semi-structured, but it's absolutely. Yeah. yeah, It's giving students that opportunity to spontaneously communicate. And I think sometimes as private and public school speech therapists, we're so worried about all the different things that we need to, to hit, you know, especially as a school-based therapist, right? It's like IP goal six, IP goal seven, right? I just did progress reports yesterday. So We're so data-driven, which is so very important, but I think sometimes we can lose that spontaneity that we really love as speech therapists, which I can, you know, can tell that you guys really have that joy for just being in tune with your clients, which I think these opportunities are there. So if if you're somebody who is kind of rigid with your speech therapy, you know, hopefully this is inspiring you to even just set a couple minutes aside to to do these types of activities because... This is what I see, and I was just filming a training on joint attention, is that a lot of times when I see spontaneous communication really exploding is when I'm doing activities like this that are shared you know, with my client, where it's not a flashcard, where it's not at the table, where it's doing something that's unstructured or semi-structured. And so I think this it's really inspiring, um, the work you're doing. So tell us a little bit about, because I'm all about you know calming techniques and, and breathing oh, techniques. Yeah. So I've 
feel like everybody needs that in their life, um, students everybody. and professional and parents. So can you tell us a little bit about maybe some tips and strategies that might be helpful for students that maybe you work on as far as like calming techniques or breathing techniques? Um, because I know, and I don't know much about anything that of, of that sort, but I know there was like a figure eight that some of my students work on for, I don't know if that's like a breathing technique, you know, where they would trace like this letter eight and they would be like breathing. I'm ex- I'm guessing this is a calming technique. I, I don't really know, but I'm, already. Just I'm hoping you can share a couple strategies with uh, with our listeners. So many strategies. And the benefit yes. of doing this, the breathing work or the calming strategies with our clients is that we're getting regulated too, right? right? So like that's one of our main principles is if we're ready to be with our student and mindful and present, then mm-hmm. what, we're going to be so much better therapists or better parents or what have you. So that's um, one of the reasons why we like to start with something like breathing. Like mm-hmm. my, my typical one that I like to do is just br- bring your arms, watch out, Sorry, Amy, no. <laughs> Re- you know, bring your arms out and reach up and then breathe, bring them back down. So breathe in and breathe out. And then you can just hug in and hug out and you can do that seated. So mm-hmm. that is I think for me, one of the easiest, most simple ones. Yes. And I know you use that and others. Yeah, that is a great one to use with our little learners who um, really can, if in terms of imitation, like bringing arms up and bringing arms down and to bring the talk yoga into it, we label first what we're doing, mm-hmm. arms up, arms down, breathe in, breathe out. We often will cue our students to breathe through their noses. That's more calming than breathing in and out of your mouth. Mm. And so keeping, again, imitation, following directions, lips closed, breathe in through your nose and out. And we can ask them to place their hand on their belly so they can feel their belly expand. I like with some of my older learners and students to teach them breathe in, hold your breath, breathe out, and I'll count usually. So breathe in for four and I'll do lots of visual signals. Breathe in for four, hold your breath for four, breathe out for four. I use this a lot with clients with ADHD to help them focus and help them focus on one thing and that's their breath. Right, And that can really produce a calming effect. I mean, We'll just slip in the idea of this thing called the vagus nerve that we all learned about in graduate school that is extremely important in terms of calming down the nervous system. And we know from research and just anatomy and physiology that deep breathing sends that signal that goes up through the vagus nerve into our brain. It's time to calm down. Everything's okay. We're not in danger. We can calm down. So breathing and calming to us, they that... Go, they go hand in hand. Like that is to reach a calm state. <laughs> yeah, simple breathing is. It really seems like so simple. It's so simple, <laughs> and it's. I mean, it's at our beck and call anytime yes, we want anytime. to access it. So that's why it. Yeah, you don't need a fidget or anything. You just right. breathe. And we often will we notice like fidgets, but I mean, right? We notice when our clients may be getting a little dysregulated. Oh, it looks like maybe we need to take a pause and take some deep breathing to help remind our brain it's time to settle. Everything's okay. Let's take three big breaths in and out, in and out. You know, we do this too. And yeah, Yeah, I like that idea. I I had this professor that uh, in graduate school, which, you know, 
stress, right? And it was like, she always started the class with like some kind of exercise where we were like closing our eyes and we were like breathing. I thought it was very progressive at the time, you know, but I, I think your episode is going to air at a time, very like mindful. probably in May where, you know, most speech therapists and parents are just like, buckle up. This is like the most stressful month out of the year. Right. So I like that idea too, where you said like, obviously I use sensory toys with my kids and, you know, like they all like all those things, but I, I like this idea of like, we can really just kind of regulate ourselves or, or trying to teach our students strategies or just for us as professionals and parents too, because life gets so hectic is that maybe we don't need anything, right? <laughs> to de-stress that we actually all have it right we here. Have everything so. we need right we inside here. And I, yeah. I think right. that's a powerful tool to teach the students that we work with who often mm-hmm. feel like, they can't do things and they have mm-hmm. to have a helper and they have to have mm-hmm. someone give them right. something teaching them that they have the power and the control over their breath. Yeah. Can be really powerful. Yeah. I love that. And that's kind of how I got into this whole like modified leisure idea where it's, you know, more encompassing. And I've talked about it on the podcast, but like modified Simon says, where it's always Simon says modified Uno, we're just matching the cards and modified musical chairs. We never take a chair away because that's what I was finding with my students to my autistic learners that there's so many things that may be a barrier to them enjoying doing an activity with friends. And, you know, for my older students, you know, they may be able to match a color card playing Uno, they may never be able to use the reverse or the skip or the draw too, but that's okay because you don't even have to know what those cards are if you play it in a modified way. So that's actually one of the most popular um, videos I have on my YouTube channel is this idea of modified Uno where we take all those cards out because working with older learners, what I was seeing with more complex communication needs is that my students may never be able to do the activity like, like we would be able to do it, but it doesn't mean that they shouldn't be able to enjoy the activity. So that's why I've spent a lot of my time talking about these ideas because some people say like, oh, I just, I never thought to do it that way. Or, you know, and I'm like, right. oh, oh my gosh, like, look, this is fun. The kids are having fun now. See this? You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're communicating. This is great. Right. Oh yeah. my gosh. Such good information. So where can people find out more about you and your work? Well, well we have a website. <laughs> We do www.talkyogaslp.com. We have Instagram. What else? We have a podcast, actually. We do too. have a podcast. Oh, yes, we do. It's, it's called Talk Yoga SLP. You can find it where fun. you get your podcasts. Okay. So, awesome. Yeah. You can sign up for our newsletter mm-hmm. that comes maybe once a week. Okay. Uh, <laughs> much email. And, and we do offer trainings in our mm-hmm. techniques. And so those are offered about three three times a year. We're just settling down our dates for this coming year. We just did a training two weeks ago and, um, it was a hybrid. We've, we've loved zoom has allowed us zoom and we, everybody says zoom now, but (laughs) we've trained people in Ireland and England and Iceland, all the lands. Yeah. Uh, So it's been wonderful to be able to connect with people across the world, but we are, we would love to come to, you know, practices and train or school districts and we train speech pathologists, occupational therapists, teachers, yeah, physical therapists physical have taken therapists. our training. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, amazing. Well, it was really great to meet both of you and thanks so much for coming on. Good See ya. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. What an amazing episode with Amy and Kim. Today, I want to tell you my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one is if you're not using yoga, 
in your sessions. Why not? You should be. It's super fun and you can work on an array of skills. Number two is you can work on speech sounds. You can work on imitation. You can work on joint attention. You can work on cooperative group skills using yoga. And you can capture a lot of spontaneous language and build that connection with your clients by using yoga. And number three, the third thing I want to highlight today is that Amy and Kim noted that they are trained in floor time. And I am a BCBA and I am trained in applied behavior analysis. We have different thoughts on how to help our students, but we are speech therapists at heart and we are collaborative. And sometimes I think that we can get a really skewed mindset, especially if you're spending a lot of time online about people not being able to collaborate if they have different skills and different training sets and how we approach therapy. But I want to show you today and through the Autism Outreach Podcast and my entire platform of ABA speech is that I am collaborative in nature. I know that we are all here to help support our learners and we may go about it a different way. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Make sure that you hit subscribe and leave me a review. I love hearing from you. Until next time, keep things fun and functional. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.